0: Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at CrossoverNorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at CrossoverNorman. Enjoy the message. If you love Jesus, say I do. I do. I like that. Hey, let's pray. Father, we come to you and we just surrender tonight. We surrender our time. We surrender our passions, we surrender our school, we surrender our problems, and just for this moment and time, we're going to enter this place and we want to connect with you in such a real way. Let us void out anything that we don't need to be thinking about, let us just be able to connect with you tonight. Lord, I ask and I pray that your spirit come over me and that these words are your words These words are true words that can help these students just learn how to be uh, better, better servants of you, better children of you, better followers of you. But Lord, let them be able to learn how to just love you more and be able to be encouraged by you and be able to speak with you. And Lord, let tonight just be a truly powerful and sustaining night. We ask this in your name. Amen. You know, I was on Instagram. This is probably, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago. And I was just rolling through the gram. I was kind of bored one night. And one of my buddies posted this guy uh, on, he, he followed one of his videos. And pretty much I, I clicked on his account. And the account was this, is things that I wish I would have known before I was 30. Anybody seen that guy, right? And it's pretty cool to see he takes things that, Uh, He has been using all of his life, uh, and he either had been using them the wrong way or in a very ineffective way. And I remember one day, like, one of the things that really stood out to me was an oatmeal bag, all right? I've been eating oatmeal maybe like the last year of my life, all right? And in this oatmeal bag, he's like, look, I've used one of these a thousand times, right? Tears open the bag, pours it into the cup, and he goes look on the bag, there's a water fill line, right? Like, you always worry about water to oatmeal consistency. He's like, they've done it for you. Anybody else knew about the water line? Okay, you're all smarter than me. I didn't know about that. Like, I always poured too much water in it every single time, all right? So it blew my mind. I was like, this dude's a genius. I'm going to watch some more things, right? Uh, I remember then uh, one of the things that he, he, he showed us was... Um, how to flip the correct omelet. How many times have we torn an omelet apart, busted like a sunny side egg, cut a pancake in half, right? Like we always try to put, fit it perfectly on our spatula and then flip it over as quick as we can, right? He's like, no. Like you get the spatula, put it down on the pan, pick the pan up, flip it over, and then put your pan back and then softly lay it down. He's like, it's genius. How come I didn't know that before I was 30, right? I was like, I'm going to use that every time now. Well, at least I'm gonna tell Caroline to do it while she she cooks, right? I was, I think it's a bigger laugh than that, come on uh. now. If you use a cut avocado, right, instead of putting it in saran wrap, you put it into a bowl of water and it lasts like three times longer, that blew my mind, we eat a lot of avocados, right? Probably the best one though, The the best cheat that I saw was actually a trash bag. He opened up a trash bag, he goes, many people, you know, I've done this for my whole life, you open up a bag, you sh- 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 swish it around like the wind, right, and then you open it up and then you put it in, you stuff it in there and then you put it around the brim. Well, now listen, at my household four months ago, listen, I always my bag always fell into the death trap, alright, it always fell into the trash can. Now listen, this is dangerous because when you're at the Russell household, in that trash can are bodily fluids both liquid and solid, that you don't want to stick your hand into, all right? And and there's, I got a lot of kids that, I mean, it's just gross. So like when it fell into like the death trap, like I had to put on like a full hazmat suit just to even reach in there and to grab it. And so I was paying attention to this dude. He's like, this is a sure way to make sure it doesn't fall in there again. He goes, he opens this, this, this uh, trash bag. He goes, look, when you open it up, it is already inside out. It's like, okay, yeah, it makes, it makes sense. He goes, look at the box instructions. It says to just open it up, flip it over, put it on the trash can first, and then push it down inside. Blew my mind. Guys, I haven't had to stick my hand in the death trap for four months. It's been absolutely amazing. And I taught y'all how to put the trash bag in the right way. I wish I would have known that before I was 30, all right? Like, like that was a big deal to me. I use that still to this day, but it actually started making me think about something over the past couple months. It's made me wonder. I was like, you know what? There's been many things that I've been doing either wrong or in an ineffective way in my physical world. I wonder if there's some things that I do wrong or ineffective in my spiritual world. And you know, the disciples, they felt this way at one point in their life. See, the disciples, they were walking with Jesus, they were talking with Jesus, they were doing life with Jesus, and they were learning new things every day. He's like, one of the big things that they learned was that that Jesus didn't only come for the Jews, but he also came for the Gentiles. And he wanted to not only love the Jews, but he also wanted to love everybody. That was mind-blowing, and, and that, that transformed them, and they, they changed their spiritual walk. But something that really stuck out to his disciples, that really blew their minds, is, is when he would pray. And they realized very quickly that the way that Jesus prayed was different than the way that they prayed. He prayed with emotion. He prayed with passion. He prayed like he was talking to a friend. He prayed like he was talking to his father, and it was real, and it was intimate, and it was passionate, and it convicted them. And they were so like, they're like, like, Lord, like, what is, what is going on? They realized that the way that they had been praying, their whole entire life was wrong. We see in Luke's account of the passage that we're going to talk about in Matthew, but in Luke's account, it drove them so wild in their head that finally one of them rose up and went and asked Jesus, like, hey, the way that you pray is different than the way that we pray. Can you teach us how to pray? Now, just think about this. These men who have been fluent in biblical concepts, biblical theology. They have memorized large portions, especially of the Old Testament. These men who had seen Jesus do miracles, if these men who had been walking with Jesus for this long, asking Jesus how to pray, do you think that should be a question that many of us should be asking Jesus as well? I guarantee most of us in here, if not all of us in here, have we ever asked anyone how to pray or is it something that we just picked up on our own? Like we might ask somebody how to do taxes when you gotta do taxes someday, right? You might have to ask somebody how to figure something out or you'll just YouTube it, thank goodness for YouTube, all right? But we haven't asked someone who is a disciple, who is a follower of Jesus, who is more mature in their faith, have we asked them, how to pray the way that Jesus prayed. I believe that there's two main reasons why many of us have not asked about prayer. I think the first reason is a lot of us are just ignorant to the fact of prayer. I know without a shadow of a doubt, when I was in college, I had no idea that there was a right way to pray and that there's a wrong way to pray. I didn't know that there was a right way to pray and a wrong way to pray when I was your age. But I think the second reason why some of us don't pray is because We think prayer is insignificant, but that's what I want us to learn tonight. How do we pray like Jesus, and what is the significance of our praying? We're going to start a series tonight. It's actually, it's really just disciplines, and we're going to discover the discipline of prayer and how important it is in our life. So if you would turn with me to Matthew 6, 5, and that's where we are starting today. Matthew 6, 5, and we're going to read the first part, and it says this, and he's responding to his, his, his uh, disciples' question, it reads, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in synagogues and on street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Now listen, this might just be me, all right? But it seems to me like Jesus had been waiting for this question, right? Like I feel like he's, like, he's kind of like us when our friend starts dating a certain somebody that we don't want them to date, but we're being like super Christian and try not to be judgmental, but we really just hate that dude, right? You know, anybody with me, right? And, and they're dating that person and you're just kind of keeping your tongue in cheek and not saying anything, but you have your opinions, amen, And then finally, like the gates of heaven open up and she walks up to you and she goes, so what do you think about me and Stephen, right? You're like, well, let me tell you, girl. All right, I'm gonna tell you what I think about Stephen. He's a heresy, right? Like, I don't like him. Like, he's a sinner. I don't know what you say. Like, but you've been ready for this question. Like, you got some backed up emotion behind it. Jesus was like, hey, you, you, want, you, you want to learn how to pray? Like, don't be like these people over here. Like, he has got a lot of emotion backed up. But let's just think about this for a second. Jesus didn't teach them how to pray until they asked Jesus how to pray. Like, like that's a big deal. Like, that's not, like, praying is not just one of those things that helps us communicate back and forth with God. It's the main thing that helps us communicate back and forth with God. This is a big deal. This isn't just a small thing that we're dealing with. Prayer is the platform to which we get to know our Father, and our Father reveals Himself to His children. This is a very big deal. If Jesus didn't teach them how to pray until they asked Him how to pray, my question to you is, what things in your life has Jesus not taught you in your life because you haven't asked him to teach you to do it? Maybe some of our questions haven't been answered because some of our questions haven't been asked. And students, let's just be honest. If we we're real with ourselves, a lot of us, we might blame Jesus for not being there for us. Maybe we might be, we might be blaming Jesus for not answering some things, or, or we expect him just to like, just osmosisly, I don't even know that's a word, it's a great word though, like just give us answers. But he's been with us, ready for you to ask the questions, but we receive not because we ask not. Don't blame Jesus for not, for not answering you if you've never asked him a question in the first place. But we see something here when Jesus, when they asked Jesus to teach him how to pray, he says <clears throat> in Matthew 6, 6, but when you pray, you go into your room, you shut the door and you pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees you in secret will reward you. What does he say? He says, go to your room and shut your door. Like the people that pray for, for uh, showmanship, their reward, the people that, that, that pray grand prayers in front of people, their reward is people. Those are like the holy prayers. that, Like when you go into CeCe's Pizza, right? And they go in and like, Lord, on heaven on high, please bless this meal for our feet that we might go and praise your name and share your love across the nations. Lord, heaven on high. And then, then they, start, like, they bring in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and like they have these great grand prayers and like, Listen, that's (laughs) on a serious note. The people who only pray to please people will only please people. They will never please God. Let's step back just a second with that. If you only pray in public, hear me, students. If you only pray in public and you have no private prayer life with just you and God, you will only hear from people and you will never hear from God. Private prayer life is what gives you life. Because Jesus is saying here, where you pray is just as important as what you pray. Where do you pray according to Jesus? Jesus says, according, I want you to do it alone. We have many scriptures of Jesus going off and praying by himself, We have many scriptures showing that Jesus went off by himself to pray just between him and his father. Sometimes the disciples couldn't even find him because he was off praying by himself. So how does that look for us students? Doors closed, no one seeing you do it, no one knowing that you're doing it, and you're praying. Nothing distracting you. It's just you and your father in the room in secret. Now listen. I think what Jesus is really trying to say here is you need to be alone. You need to be alone. It doesn't have to necessarily be in a room. It could be under a tree. It could be at a park. It could be in your car. It could be somewhere else. But it's just you and God and free from distraction. But here's the truth about prayer. It is single-handedly the greatest weapon we have to attack the devil and his demons against. And here is what the devil does to me. Every time that I try to take one more step closer to God, one more step of trying to really grit and and bear in my faith and grow in my prayer life and try to spend more time in my, my secret prayer with God, this is what he always does. He starts distracting me. Like seriously, he throws everything at me, anything at me to try to get me distracted from this. Now, what does this look like for you? Just think about it. When was the last time that you really tried to step up your prayer game? Well, probably your homework started piling up or friend drama started, started happening to you. Maybe sickness happened to you. Hello, Job. All right, the devil can make you sick, all right? Could be a TV show. Could be boyfriend or girlfriend drama. But you want me to tell you what I think is the best distraction for us, the best arrow that the devil has for us? I believe it's this little three-inch, six-inch device that we have in our back pocket. Social media and our cell phones. The average college student spends three to five hours a day on their cell phones. And that's a crazy statistic. Eight to nine percent of those spend eight to nine hours on social media a day. Listen, the devil doesn't have to destroy you to control you, he just has to distract you. And when that happens, you're not walking with the Lord in such a way that makes the devil flee, you're walking in such a way that makes the devil run towards you. Is the devil controlling your life right now, students? You tell me. Can you right now give God 30 minutes of your day day in walking and talking and praying in Him? Brent, I just don't have time for that, right? Like, well, you have time for four hours of TikTok a day, right? Like, you don't have time for God Almighty. Okay, sure. Let's talk about social media for just a second. Well, Brent, listen, social media helps me, all right? Like, I learn about the news every day from, from the TikTok, all right? Um, I post my scriptures. I do my prayer texts, my texts through there. <laughs> I tell people that I'm praying for them. Okay, lo, lo, that's great. Good for you. That's awesome. I, I think that social media can be, good, be for good. Um, but let's put that, to, put that aside and let me ask you a real question. Like, how is your secret prayer life with God our Father? Like, let's just be real. Like, how is your secret prayer life with God, with just you and Him? See, the psalmist says, Be still and know that I am God. When you are still and you're not distracted and you're one-on-one with the Father, you leave your phone, you leave your books, you leave your computers on the kitchen table and you go into your room and you shut the door and you get on your knees in complete solitude and complete weakness, maybe trembling, maybe tired, maybe insecure, in the middle of depression with every question that you have known to man, and you just bask in his presence, how are you doing with that? Maybe if you're like me, maybe you have to speak out loud to God because you do have ADHD, all right? Like, some of us have to speak out loud because we will get distracted. See, when you are still before God, It trains you to know who is God and who isn't God in your life. And listen, so many of us have never felt the presence of God. We've never felt what I call is the holy hug of God. Like, like, Go get alone with God and and by yourself, and you fall on your knees, and you get real with him, and you talk out loud to God and just say, God, I need you in such a passionate way today, Lord. Like, God, I just need to feel your presence. God, I want to be a child that you want me to be, and you just get real with God. You start laying your life down and just talking to him in just such a real and passionate way, and I promise you, every time that you get real with God, God shows up. And every time I feel the presence of God and I will not leave my prayer room until that I felt the presence of God in that room because it helps me know who God is and who isn't God. And this is what happens every time that I feel the presence of God in my life. It makes me love him just even more. It makes my faith stronger because I've had faith in God but now I really have faith in God because I have felt the presence of God in my prayer room, in my secret prayer life. See, some of us have faith in God, but we've never experienced God. What does it say? You pray, it says here, he says, you pray for people, you'll get the reward of people. But what does he say in verse six? He says, but when you pray, go into your room, shut your door for your father who is in secret and your father who sees you in secret will reward you. See, the reward to praying in secret is that the Father sees you. You know, I am a father of three crazy little boys. And I'm telling you, every single day, they're like, hey, Dad, watch this. And, like, they're doing jumping jacks. I'm like, oh, that's, that's awesome, buddy. It was like, and then, like, the next day, to do something crazy. Like, Dad, watch me jump off, like, this five-foot pylon, right? I'm like, oh, you're going to break your neck. But I go ahead and let them watch, do it anyway, right? like any loving father would. But it's, you know, it's like, Dad, watch me shove the little baby into the, into the dishwasher, right? It's like, they get, it's always like, Dad, watch this, watch this, look at this, look at this. See, when you pray in secret, your father sees you in that secret prayer and he is with you in that secret prayer. The, the, the father of millions of people and you are saying, Lord, I need your attention, and guess what, the Lord who has created and sustained everything, that Lord, that God your Father looks exactly at you in that moment in your secret prayer life. He gives it to you. Now here's my real question. If you know that the God of the universe is with you at that moment, what prayer are you praying tonight? What prayers would you ask that God? who's meeting you there, who cares for you, who sent his only son to die for you so you can have life abundantly and you can have life eternal with him. What are you going to do then? What prayers are you going to pray? What prayers do you need answered right now? Go to Jesus in your prayer room. How many of us right now need God so desperately? Right now, students, you you see, <clears throat> he sees you when you're seeking him in, in, in secret and he rewards you by focusing his attention on you. Start praying alone and God will meet you there. Let's read on. Verse seven. And it says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask. See, this shook my world when I read this. This shook my world in praying for a time because I used to pray a lot of the same prayers every single day. Like it was almost like became memory, like, Lord, help this and this and this and this. I need help with this. And it's like every single day, it was almost repetition. And what I learned through this is that God is all-knowing. God is omnipotent. And he already knows what I need. And the Bible actually states that that when you have trusted Christ, his spirit has come into your life. And what actually ends up happening is the spirit of God that is in you actually prays to God the Father for your stead because he knows things about you that you don't even know about yourself. See, that changed my private prayer life because I started praying very specific prayers in low quantity and what I mean by that is I want to start it out I wanted to start out small so I could start seeing God answer prayers um, that I might have overlooked when I used to just pile everything up because I started just quit and I quit doing every single other prayer because I knew that God already knew what I needed to pray for And I started doing some specific prayers because I wanted to see God start answering prayers and smaller prayers. And the more that I matured, the more prayers I would stack on that. And the more that I would see God just start answering prayers in such a real and, and specific way. So it was lower quantity, but higher quality prayers. But then I would also pray less for me because I started putting faith in the fact that my father knew what I needed more in my life. So I'd give him my prayer request, and I would say, Lord, I need you to answer this. And then I wouldn't pray on that for a while again, because I knew that he, he knew what I needed, and I knew that he could answer it better than I could ever expect it. But this is what happened, is I was able to spend more time on praying for others when I wasn't so worried about praying for myself? When was the last time that you prayed for somebody else? Because even in our prayers, we can be selfish. But listen, here's what else happened. As you will see, if you start walking more and talking more with Jesus in this secret prayer time, you start trusting the Father who already knows more than you could ever imagine, It also trained me to spend less time speaking and more time listening and connecting with God. When was the last time that you just sat in silence and you tried to listen to God? Freeing my mind for God in my secret prayer time. God showed me things that I could never believe. Like for God to put people in my mind that just came up out of the blue and I'd pray for specific things and for them to go and and say it two months later, like, man, God answered a prayer request that none of y'all knew and that was something that I had been praying for. Maybe God uses a verse during that secret prayer and time, when I'm just listening, he brings up a verse that is the exact verse that I need at that time. And man, he just starts pouring it over me and just enriching me and encouraging me away. Maybe it's time that God pulls a sin out of my life that I had totally no idea. He says, you know what, you, this might be something that you need to work on here. And man, I axe that sin at that point. And man, it's so freeing and it's so awesome just to experience that. Maybe it's something good in my life that God just wants to enhance or strengthen. But see, I would never, I never would have had those moments if I was too busy rambling and wasting time and time over the same thing every single day that God already knew. See, if you trust God, prove it in your prayer life. Give it to God, leave it with God. And pray specifically for other things and for other people, but also leave time to hear him speak into your life in a real way that you never thought could happen if you never would have left time for him in your secret prayer life. Now listen, today I want, I want us to look at the Lord's Prayer, and I'm not going to be able to get all the way through the Lord's Prayer, but this is my, my, my ask for you is that I want y'all to take the last half of the Lord's Prayer, and I want you to go talk to your friends about it, and y'all discuss it. And you say, you know what, what do we think that the last half of this prayer means to us? Sound good? Uh-huh, sure, Brent, more homework, great, yeah. Well, it's for Jesus, okay, he did die for you, all right. Jesus Juke. all right. You know, I heard about two old men, they were, they were at a restaurant, and they were arguing about who was more holier, right? Anybody been in that conversation before? And one of them's like, well, I'm just holier than you because I've loved Jesus long. The other one's like, I'm holier you because I just know more than you. It's like, you don't know more than me. He goes, I bet you don't even know the, the Lord's Prayer. I bet you $10 you can't say the Lord's Prayer to me. He goes, well, that's money well earned, right? He goes, okay, I'm going to do it. He goes... Now I lay my soul to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep, and if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. The other friend just started laughing. He's like, <laughs> he whips out his wallet and holds out the $10 and said, I didn't think that you knew it, right? Yeah. I'm glad that y'all laughed because for a second I thought y'all didn't even know the Lord's Prayer, all right? Many people think that they know the Lord's Prayer, but as a matter of fact, that they don't. It's said in a lot of locker rooms and sporting events. It's said in many different places, and many people don't know much about this prayer. And Jesus, I believe, when teaching the disciples and the followers this day, he was trying to not give them necessarily a pray a prayer to memorize, but it was a prayer for them and a format for them to follow in their prayer. Because just think about this. If this was a prayer that Jesus wanted them to memorize, this is a prayer that Jesus couldn't pray, them, pray himself. Because it, one of those quotes is to forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Well, Jesus couldn't ask for forgiveness of sins because he didn't commit any sins. So it was more of follow this style, follow this format. That's why I believe at the very beginning he says, pray like this, not pray exactly this. And this is what he says in the first couple of of sentences of the Lord's prayer. He says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father, not just like our daddy, but, but, but our father. Like when we pray, Jesus says we need to pray what? To our father in heaven. Private prayer is for your father in heaven. You don't pray to Buddha. You don't pray to any other God. You don't pray to Mary. You don't pray to St. Peter. You pray to your father in heaven. Who did Jesus pray to? Who? Who? He prayed to his Father in heaven. You know, I believe that this is what Jesus was trying to teach us, is that he wanted people to see that there's a, relation, there's a relational side to God our Father. I believe what Jesus is, that he wanted us to see God as our Father, not as judge and jury, not as commander-in-chief and disciplinarian and principal. No, no, no. He didn't want us to see him as God up high and us down. No, no, no. He wanted him, us to see like, man, God's our father. Like God loves you. God is encouraged through you. He wants to have that relationship. He wants to be a, approachable. And when you pray, you are talking to your father in heaven who loves you more than any other father on earth ever could. He doesn't want to lead you with conviction. He wants to lead you with love. He wants to hear about your day. He wants to hear about your problems. He wants to laugh at at things that make you laugh. He wants to encourage you when you're down. To some of us, he is the perfect father that we have never had. And for other of us who have had good fathers, they are only good fathers because they have a father in heaven that they follow and they want you to have that same father the same way that they do for you. See, when you see God as a loving Father, you want to spend time with Him. You want to grow with Him. You want to lean on Him. And you know what happens when you you see Him as a Father? You spend time with Him. And this is the biggest thing, is you start hearing His voice. My sophomore year of high school, um, literally on my birthday, January 2nd, uh, my family moved from Burke Burnett, Texas to the great city of Woodward, Oklahoma. Have you heard of it? Yeah, me neither. Um, And it is literally, here's Oklahoma, it's the armpit of Oklahoma. That's what it's known for, Woodward Boomers, let's go. And the second week there, I played in my first basketball game for the Woodward Boomers, all right? Boomers are a wagon, that was, our mascot was a wagon. That's really cool. And as I was, I didn't start, uh, because my coach hadn't, hadn't only, he only saw me play one practice. All right. And my first game, I think the guy that started above me, he shot like four airball threes. And like he was pulled in the first like three minutes. I was like, this is my shot. All right. I'm going to prove to everybody like that starting position is mine. Like I got excited all five foot six of me at 16. All right? I grew six inches four months later. But I was excited. I was about to, I mean, I was about to go Michael Jordan on them. Or is it LeBron James? Which one's better? I don't know. But Michael Jordan is. Come on now. And um, first play, I remember it very specifically. My guy, or uh, the opposing team, they shot. They bricked it. They bricked it far where it went to the three-point line. One of my teammates grabbed it. I'm already like halfway down the court. He launches it to me perfect breakaway pass. I get it. I'm like, you know, I can't dunk, but this is going to be looking pretty. All right. I go up for a layup. Little did I know, right? They had the fastest guy in America on their team. He was six foot six. All right. Literally on my fingertips. And this dude swats my stuff to about the eighth row. Like horrible, totally embarrassing. Like and this was the crowd that like just like loved it, you know what I'm saying? And I swear, like for the next two minutes, they were calling me every name in the book. It was so loud in this little gym, and it was it was horrible. I was depressed. And uh, anyways, we got the ball. They threw the ball in. I got the ball. and went to shoot it. That same guy hacked me. All right, so I'm on the free throw line. I shoot my first free throw, and it is literally the closest to an air ball that you could possibly be. Like I feathered the rim, all right? Uh, so much so that they still called it an air ball. So everybody's screaming, air ball, air ball, right? That's fun, okay? My teammates, they don't know me, but they already hate me because I suck at basketball, right? They're over there just like, this guy's horrible, right? I'm like, dude, this sucks. Like, <laughs> I don't wanna be here, Lord, this is miserable. I mean, I'm, I'm literally, I'm just angry at myself. And everybody's screaming. And then all of a sudden, I hear this voice. He's like, Russell. And I look back. And amongst these hundreds of people, I look back. And it's my dad. My dad, just with his big smile on his face, he goes, just have fun. I was like, all right. He goes, and keep your elbow in. All right? Like, <laughs> he said, just go have fun with it. It's okay. He does, like, the hand motions. Just go have fun. It's all good. I was like, all right. And then I get up, I shoot the free throw. I don't, I don't know if I made it or missed it or what, but, but I had fun the rest of the game. And I just kept on, on playing. I kept on, and, and it was a great game. It was great for me. It changed the trajectory of the game once I understood My father's voice, I was able to hear him amongst the chaos and I needed the encouragement. And yes, I needed the correction as well, but it changed the trajectory of my game. Listen, students, when you learn to pray to your father, you learn his voice in the midst of chaos. When you learn his voice in secret, you can hear his voice better in public. You can hear his encouragement through your busyness. You can hear his voice in the middle of pain. You can hear his voice in the middle of panic. Because when you learn his voice in private, you can learn his voice in public. Students, some of us aren't strong in chaos because we don't know our father's voice. We don't hear him in the crowd. We don't hear him in any situation in our life. And I'm telling you, that's a struggle, but that's exactly where the devil wants you. He doesn't want you to be able to hear your father. He wants you to only focus on your pain. You have to learn his voice in private so you can hear his voice in chaos. Lastly, verse 10, it says that your kingdom come, your will be done as, earth as it, on earth as it is in heaven. See, true prayer will never be answered unless it has the same destination. His will be done. When you ask your father a question in prayer, it will always have the same destination, and it will always be answered the same way for his will to be done. Now, listen, I think there, there are two types of people that I believe are, are this isn't real natural to. The first type of person I believe it's not natural to is the lazy person, right? If we're honest, let's just be honest. Who's, who's lazy up in here? Come on, be honest, all right? Who waits till the last moment to do their homework, study for their test? Okay, all right. I was never that way, right? Never a procrastinator, just kidding, right? Jesus, don't strike me down. You show me your Netflix and your Hulu and your Prime Video Time, and I'll show you how lazy you are. Amen? But what's crazy, if you just change two hours in every day, if you just change two hours, you spent some time with Jesus, and you spent the rest of the time doing homework and something like valuable for your life, I guarantee you, you do that for two months, and you won't have enough time in those two hours. You'll want it to spread it to three hours, and then you'll want to spread it to four hours, and it'll be contagious, and it'll change your whole life life. But there's a second type of person I don't believe that this is very easy for us. These are the people that have to be in control. It's hard for you to pray when you have to be in control. And this is why control people can't pray, because it's taking control away from them, and it's putting it all on God. And here's how I know if you are a control person or not. If something doesn't go according to plan, you get upset about it. Not a whole lot of flex in your personality. In all honesty, you try to control everyone around you to let people know like, hey, this is the type of person that I am. You either need to accept it or you just need to move on, right? That's the type of control person that I'm talking about. Now listen, being planned is one thing. Having to control everything is another thing. This is why controllers have a problem with friends. Because there's no room for change of plans. There's no room for randomness, there's no room for spontaneity, there's no room for people to have different opinions than them. Now listen students, some of the best times in my life is when we have a when we have had a plan set, and we've had a plan set, maybe we go to a restaurant, and everybody's like, well, you know, I'm not really feeling this restaurant, and we go to some crappy restaurant, then the food's horrible, but man, we have some story that comes out of that situation, and it's crazy, or one time, it's like, hey, we ran out of gas in the middle of the, in the middle of the road, and we had to hitchhike, and we got to learn about Billy Bob's life and tell, talk about this and we met some random dude at a gas station. He actually prayed for us and levitated on water. Like, I don't know what happens but like, but like the spontaneity and the randomness and like the unplanned things and like it's just crazy how like all that worked because I didn't wasn't able to control everything. See, when God is in control... You're able to not have to be in control, and while you're in your mess, you can make the most out of the situation. This is what I mean by that, is that many of us, we want God to fix it now. We want Him to change it now, but we need to change our minds into changing it and fixing it now to changing it to, God, when you when it's your will to fix it, Like like, God, I want you to fix it, but... But I'm not going to just panic until, until you fix it. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to try to make the most out of my situation. And, and what I mean is that you might be struggling with depression or anxiety or something in your life right now. And you think the only way for you to survive is for this thing to be answered and for this thing to be gone in your life. And see, that's your will. That's not always his will. And see, maybe the best thing for you is to worship God in your anxiety or maybe in your depression, because this is what I have learned, especially over the last six months of my life, is that I have been able to connect more with people while I was in the middle of my anxiety than when I was not having anxiety. I've been able to connect more with people that that we walk up, we start having conversations, and then something sparks. I'm like, man, they have anxiety, and I ask them about anxiety. Like, yeah, listen, this is Dylan, this has happened. I'm like, listen, let me tell you what's happened in my life. It feels like the veil of reality is taken away from me and this happens and this happens and they just start crying because they're like, no one's been able to connect with me this way. And guys, we're able to have such a conversation and such a holy experience and such a godly moment that, they, that we are both able to connect with each other, but really we're connecting with God, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to about depression and sat down and said, yeah, I felt that ball of fire every morning. I felt I felt lonely. I felt depressed. I felt sad. I felt like I couldn't get out of it. And it's crazy how we connect in such a real way. And, like, I'm able to connect with them. And I'm like, man, I never would have experienced that if I wouldn't have had that time with them. If God would have answered all of my prayers exactly the time that I answered them, I asked them, I would have missed out on so many times, so many good things, so many relationships. But this is when you know God's timing and his will is better than your will. This is when you know your prayers are your prayers that your father is listening to and seeing you pray in your secret closet place. It's when you can look back over the years, over the struggles, over the pain, over the anxiety, over the depression, over the bad events, over over everything that you've ever prayed for, and you look at it and you say, you know what, I'm way better off now because of those situations than I would be if God would have answered them right then. And I wouldn't change anything about it because I grew not only with other people, but I grew with God in such a powerful and magnificent way. It's his will, not ours. So students, how do we pray like Jesus? You get alone. You get rid of distractions. You have to put the cell phone down. You have to put everything in another room. And you have to run towards God in your room and shut the door. Get rid of distractions. And learn how to pray directly, but also be able to learn how to listen intensely. You learn your father's voice in private and you can hear him in public. And when you pray, you pray to a father that is immeasurably in love with you, that you can never fathom. He cares for you and he wants the best for you so much so that that you trust his ways over your ways. And students, you wanna attack the devil tonight? You wanna attack the demons away from you? You wanna attack that depression? You wanna attack that anxiety? You wanna attack that that pain Go to your room, shut your door, and get talking with Jesus. Amen?